I'm Jeremy. Uh, no, no, you're. I'm Jeremy. You're. You're. You're Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. Right. You're Baymax. Baymax. I'm McCall. And this is Don't Judge Me, the podcast where we ramble and talk about nerdy things that interest us. Today we're gonna we're gonna talk about Big Hero Six. You. And robotics and what it means to replace human interaction with artificial, especially sexual interaction and that dog bots. Dog bots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's recap the movie first. This is a movie that is basically how to train your robot, right? It's it's how to train your dragon with a robot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's set in this futuristic city of San Francisco, yeah. and there's this 14 year old kid, and he is a genius, but he doesn't know how to sort of channel it into anything worthwhile, right? And he's fighting these bot battles in the back alleys. Yep. Seems like his brother really has his stuff together. He's at this uh, sort of MIT Caltech type institute in San Francisco that uh, has uh, a lot of different people who are doing really crazy things. Uh, and he's invented this robot called Baymax, right? Baymax. Yeah. Baymax. That's what we're going to be talking about a lot today. So Baymax <laughs> is this uh, personal health care companion from the brother whose name is Tadashi. Right. And our, our protagonist is Hero. Um, I love the hero named Hero. And then there's a fire. And his brother ends up dying in this fire at this uh, science fair. Should we offer the warning that there will be spoilers? Movie first, then then the thing about the movie. Basically, this group of students who was Tadeshi's friends now have to help Hiro, and Hiro essentially outfits them into a band of superheroes, right? And he gives them all these great costumes. Uh, my personal favorite um, was the kind of stoner kid who had... <laughs> Fred. Fred, yeah, <laughs> who had this amazing the sort of like half fire breathing murloc type thing. <laughs> yeah, did look like a murloc. Um, and then the rest of the plot kind of goes through uncovering who was this masked villain um, that they find after the fire um, called Kabuki. Uh, and then they go through this sort of uh, series of revelations where they find out that it actually was. The Professor Callahan, who's the, the head of that the program. The kindly, yeah. Mm-hmm. The kindly older gentleman. Baymax is, is actually important to talk about. Baymax is this uh, very inflatable robot, and most of the comic relief around him comes from the fact that he is basically a giant balloon, right? And he sort of... Yeah, sure, that's... There, the... there are laughs from trying to put his uh, very portly shape balloons into pieces of armor. There are a couple times where he puts tape to stop him from sort of squeaking out. He becomes one of the, like, superheroes, but he still really follows the commands of Hero. So he's, like, the sidekick, but he's also the most powerful one because he ends up being able to fly. Yeah. Basically, Hero builds this amazing sort of mecha suit for Hero. You got to wonder. I mean, for Baymax. It seemed like he made all those multi-bo- those multi-bots, which was, like, the big bad guy's main Microbots. power. Microbots. Microbots. He made those microbots in what? Looked like an afternoon. Like, why didn't he just make more of those? <laughs> why didn't he make more of those? Yeah, or, that yeah, is a great question. Let me interject something here for a moment. Well, okay, so it is interesting to me that that the the comedic moments uh, came from this this sort of physical embodiment of the robot. Right. This is very anti-robot. This this balloon thing. But the things that were most the the things that that that. Uh, Disney chose to highlight as these humanizing moments were like the the wave, right? So there's this like this very mechanical circular wave <laughs> that that they did more than once. Um, there there's the the acknowledgement, like the things that they used to make the robot endearing as a character were extremely robotic. For example, 
uh, and you knew it was going to happen the moment I knew it was going to happen the moment that he did it for the first time. Have you been satisfied with your care? Your care. Yes. Yeah, and also, have like, you okay, ever well, been asked that by a healthcare professional? Gonna... <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever gone to a doctor's office or a hospital and asked, "Are you satisfied?" No, but a customer service agent—that's like a standard question. With co- anyway, so so anyway, yes, there there were there were comedic moments that were that were sort of about this strange choice in balloon. Frankly, a brilliant. I mean, they made a robot that doesn't look like a robot. Right? Yeah. Right. So that was the the genius move, right? Is to take this. Uh, robot and then make it look as almost least like a robot as something that our prototype in our heads would actually tell us is a robot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks like uh, the Michelin Man sort of uh, <laughs> with a little bit more smoother contours to it, Mr. right? Stay puffed. Yeah. So the premise of uh, of sort of the the friendly robot, right? That and then and then converting that friendly robot into into the fighty robot and then back again, where like you're seeing the heart of the robot is. That that squishy, friendly, absolutely non-threatening uh, thing, and that comes back up over and over again. Like that's the, right. that's the Tadeshi piece, right? And then Hero's piece was like very fighting. And they they embody that very literally by having those two cards, right? They have the green card, which is the caretaker. Yeah, card, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And the red card, which is the killer killer robot yeah. card. Right, right. His original programming is the thing that saves them in the end, right? When they go in the portal, his his need to be selfless. Uh, rather than that killer robot, is the thing that allows Baymax to save the big Hero 6 in the end. We talked about the wave, that little circular wave that the robot, that, that Baymax does, um, which was very endearing. The thing that really <laughs> got me were, was sitting on those floating things when they were shaking their feet and Baymax starts mimicking the way that Hero is mm. moving his feet. Yes. I loved that shit. I loved that. It was so intimate. Yeah. found really interesting about this uh, movie Mm -hmm. was how blended it was between American and Asian, and it wasn't either, right? So they built this place called San Francisco, Mm -hmm. which I thought was brilliant, (laughs) and it kind of rolls off the tongue. When you hear it, you're kind of almost surprised. You're like, did I hear that right? Like, which one was it? Um, But it really blends it into something new, and it's not American. It's not Asian. I have these brilliant moments where they are flying around the clearly the bay of San Francisco, uh, and there is the Golden Gate Bridge there, right? But it has these very (laughs) pagoda-style Asian architecture on it, right? I thought they did a brilliant job um, trying to make those things feel really interwoven. Um, It was definitely clear that they, the the kids, uh, Hiro and Tadashi, definitely had some Asian ancestry. It wasn't clear how much or or whatnot. Um, you didn't meet their parents. Ever. No, adopted by a, a an ethnic, but their name. aunt, right? Uh, and you don't know if they're Anglo-Saxon. You don't know if that person is biologically related right. to them or right. not. But it doesn't really matter. Um, I thought that they did a really good job of sort of merging those things together in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in a Pixar or Disney type movie. Something so not Caucasian. Um, hmm. Something that blended a, a very different. Um, ethos without making it the point of the movie. It wasn't like the African-American kid's story, the Native American story. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only time that I think I've seen that seamlessly woven in. Yeah, but it was a movie about robots. Right. And the heroes were Asian. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, like, if we're really trying to fully divorce ourselves from stereotypes, they didn't. That doesn't quite make the cut, you know? Like, sure. I, I, I just didn't think that that was the point of the movie. Wasn't look at this Asian yeah. kid, okay, with robots. It was look at this kid who happens to be Asian. I agree. Ish. Yes. With robot. Yeah. Okay, and, and now we're starting to get into the philosophical stuff. Sherry Turkle did an interview. She's an MIT professor. She did an, an interview with uh, Ari Shapiro at NPR about her book, Alone Together, Why We Expect More from Technology and Less from Each Other. And, mm-hmm. and her point in this interview was, it is one thing to expect robots to do tasks for us, but we were pu- putting robots in a position to validate us personally depreciates the the intimate relationship that we have with other human beings. Like, a robot is not a person and should not be treated like a person. They can't, they can mimic emotion. That is not the same as feeling emotion. We can't hook our elderly up with a, well, in this case, with a robotic dog. This is something we actually do. We can't hook yeah. them up with a robotic dog and then say, great, grandma's okay. I don't need to take care of her anymore. She's got her robot dog. But is it better than uh, just abandoning them? You know, well, and leaving them, or no, not but coming, it does. But but or calling once a week, uh, is it better than that? It, it is better than that if we do that in addition to calling once a week. But but we're humans, and and one of the things that is true about us is if we can find a shortcut there, we will do it. So so it's one. Do you thing, think we'll use it as a crutch? We'll replace. I think the we'll need use it to as a tool, Grandma, because exactly we we know she has a Robo Puppy. Right. So we've replaced vacuuming our floor with the vacuum robot that's not so much a problem but if we do start replacing i'm going to spend time with grandma because i feel guilty about grandma not having someone to spend time with with i bought grandma a 500 hundred dollar robot puppy so that i could feel less guilty that translates to i'm gonna go see grandma less often and that's fucked up but what if she really loves that puppy what if that puppy actually provides her life like a a net gain maybe maybe the puppy is better than you are at actually being the companion she really needs maybe but is that something that we could be open to her needing a companion is only half of that story the other half is me connecting with grandma so but then it's you You right so i get the other that's right i get another i get half i get a piece out of that it's about human connection me buying you something that makes you feel really good is not the same as me spending time with you or me connecting with you in a human way. So you don't think we should Which, have robo-nannies either, right? Uh, I do, I do. I think we should have robots that can change diapers, and I think we have should have robots that can do these things. But but it is a dangerous place to, to imagine that these robots are, are going to be substituting some emotional bond. When we start actually exchanging them and we have when we start actually creating robots to fulfill people's emotional needs we are we're taking others out of the 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 equation was sherry turkle's point this conversation inevitably always goes to the sex bot right so it does yes when we have the sex bot Mm -hmm. right when it's not an inflatable blow-up thing that you're ashamed of when Mm -hmm. just everybody has one Mm -hmm. what's that going to do to society like do you think men will even go get jobs do you think they'll do anything (laughs) I do think they'll feed themselves or they just die inside their sex spots. You know, like, I feel like that's that's the slippery slope that, that you're laying out here, right? Is is that if we find robots... Well, not that really, no. But if we find robots to do... If we find robots to raise our kids, to visit our grandma, and to replace our girlfriend, who are we? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yes. Right? Right. And, 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 and that takes me quite nicely into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the singularity.
singularity? I, I have. Should I explain it for anyone who hasn't heard of the I singularity? I think you should. I, I mean, I think people know Ray Kurzweil's name, but... <laughs> so, the singularity is the point at which humans beyond that point will no longer be able will no longer be recognizable as humans to what were humans before that point but specifically through technology through technology that's right so if you, post-human transhuman yeah so the idea being there's a moment where that occurs the moments of invention which have changed human society fundamentally fire the wheel uh, the printing press the internet the banjo <laughs> without a doubt ding 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 those things have been coming at a at an exponential pace. And we're getting closer and closer very soon. Like Thursday. Like, <laughs> like in our lifetime that we're going to see this sort of this moment of singularity. And, you know, who knows what whether or not that, that plays out. Do you think that is part of this movie? Like, do you think that in Big Hero 6... Oh, right. 6, we came here to talk about Big Hero 6. Do you think that that is, uh, like, a like part of it is that he, he... It's not his aunt that comes and helps him grow up and become a man, right? Or an adult... It's actually this robot, right, who actually isn't even really fully sentient, right? It's a pretty limited robot, to be honest. Yeah. It, its programming makes it representative of the most moral and noble traits, but it doesn't really seem to feel. That's exactly my point. That is exactly the point that I want to make. And we, we got there through the Sherry Turkle thing. We're thinking about this all wrong as a society. We're asking the fundamentally wrong question, like, do we really need to worry about whether or not that robot's going to take care of grandma? Like, yeah, for the next year or two of grandma's life, it's kind of bullshit. But ultimately, fundamentally, this existence is likely to shift dramatically really soon. Really soon. Well, it is all the time, right? It's not actually like... No, but I mean... That's one problem I have with the singularity idea is that... There may be a moment in time where that happens, sort of, right? Mm. But there's also, this is all the same reason why there's no first human, right? Like, you can't go back and actually examine the point where this this person is fundamentally a human and their parent is not. And there's just some abstract range that you can say, well, they look basically not like humans then. They're Australopithecans then. And they're Homo sapiens here. Yeah, but but they're all they're all you're all every child looks exactly like its parent, right? So it becomes this sort of macro problem where I don't know that we'll actually be able to see the singularity. We may already be past that, right? Sure. I do not think we'll actually be able to tell you whether we are or we aren't because to us we we don't have that level of a view over humanity, right? You can't actually tell. Yes, so I, I think you're right. I think it's not going to be Skynet or anything. And they're not going to like... Doom, so robots taking care of grandma may not actually be the thing. Like, But I would also argue that this movie doesn't present that as its thesis. Is It, it no. does not present the fact that Baymax is a substitute. It is a vessel for... No. Tadashi, right? Like, in mm. the end, he watches a video of Tadashi through... Through Baymax, right? Yeah. And he shows him his frustration. He shows these iterations of him working on Baymax. He's like, take 88, right? And yeah. then actually Baymax is not a replacement for Tadashi, but really more of a conduit back to that human connection that the brother provided. And that's why Hero uh, grows up. And that's why he does the things that he does rather than making him the killer robot ninja. Yeah, I still think that, that robots as friends is a little fucked up. I want a robot friend. Do you really? I, I wish you would were a you, robot. <laughs> would you really not feel really? Uh, is that even possible? I'm friends with my dog. Maybe. I, Are you? I know. I'm really Are not. You? No, I'm not. She's my dog. I dog. love that dog. But uh, 
I don't not know. I, I don't know. When you can't when you can't tell the difference anymore, I'm not sure that it matters, frankly. You know, is that uh, that's the Turing test, right? The Alan Turing test. Yeah. Is if you if you cannot yeah. tell that software isn't a person, then it might as well be. But right? it's not, is my point. It it is not a person and it is not going to cry when grandma dies. It is not going to it sacrifice itself. It's not going to do those things. But Baymax does sacrifice himself. Well, right? Baymax is Because he's is programmed fictional. to. But that's just it. Because I can hack Baymax tomorrow and ha- program him, as is demonstrated in the movie, to the hack Baymax robot. and ha- right, turn him into a killer robot and now he kills you. Which I cannot do to a human being. But you, uh, humans can also lie. God, this got to, to humans such a, can I love also this just shit. break down and and fall apart. Right? They can they can not be there can when you fail need you them. in so many ways. They really are. Mom and Dad never loved me. The, the the things we look for in the in the robot are actually more than any human actually seems capable of of doing right like no matter how many times some upstanding celebrity like Bill Cosby oh. uh, you know falls apart <laughs> and has some flaws we're, we're like sort of like we relish and loathe it at the same time because we're like ha see they weren't perfect but at the same time we want to hold the any machine we make to a better standard than any person has ever been. And say that they have to be absolutely pure and perfect and wonderful, well, right? Well, so doesn't that sort of come from the fundamental knowledge that when we finally make a computer, it's going to be so much smarter than us that we are fundamentally no use at that point anymore? Like, Well, isn't that, isn't that the thesis of her? That very concept touches on uh, on, on what I'm essentially talking about, is that, that what's really kind of scary for me is that when you put Grandma in that room with that robot that's loving her, it's really easy to forget that ultimately... She is still alone. Maybe the robot would be better than us. What if she actually is happier with the robo puppy and she doesn't care if you come to see her anymore? Oh, dude. And she like wastes away. Like the robo puppy like brings her like pickled onions or whatever it is that the grandma drinks. And then she just sort of like lives on her couch, like just, just living through, through, through robo puppy. Like you were saying about this guy and his, his sex bot at home. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just fake grandma as well? Go get me some pickled onions. Just short loop that whole (laughs) thing and get a fake grandma. The really interesting thing is, can you form a relationship with that robot? And I think that's what Big Hero 6 is about. And that's why you love the movie is because you don't really care that it's a robot. Right? It leads it to quirky behaviors and maybe some interesting um, subtleties that a human relationship might not have because it's com- more complex. It's just different. But in the end, that you you cry like a baby because you don't care that it's a robot. <laughs> and that's why I think that they accomplished their, their goal with that movie. I did not think it mattered that it was a robot or not in the end. So the last thing that I want to say was, in fact, for me, the amazing thing of Big Hero Six was not Big Hero Six. It was the, it was the mini movie about the, your the little, dog. about my dog. Yes, yeah, Molly, called Feast, about a little Boston Terrier that loves her master. It's a beautiful little short film, uh, but but a about the same thing. It was about the same thing. It was about being served as a human being, as a soul, by something that is not human. Even maybe even for for. Maybe less than human. I love my dog. She's like practically a person, but she's not a person. No. And neither is my robot, my sex bot that I keep under my bed. (laughs) She's almost human. (laughs) 
One day, Sherlindria. 